Hello, welcome to another edition of the Hoop Scoop Podcast. My name is Nate with my pod pal, Phil. Hello and welcome. And Phil, the Super Bowl is over. Football is done. So everybody who's been wasting their Sundays away watching those guys, day season. It's full, full on NBA yeah. up through July. They're stuck with us. Stuck with us watching 1 p.m. Knicks on Sundays. Exactly. All right. And we're here. So let's get into it. We got some trade talk, we got some team talk, and it's going to be a good time. We get to go, Phil? Of course. All right. So first, we got to start out with, I believe, the first trade of the season, right? I don't think there's been another trade. Oh, no, there could I'm, be some. I'm so stupid. The hard, the hard trade. Hard, <laughs> the hard trade. Besides that. I, Just I, a little bit, pick. I honestly forgot that, like, I, I didn't forget it happened, but, like, I forgot the hard was on the Rockets this year, you know? like. Yeah, I mean, it's so far gone at this point. To be but fair, yeah, he okay. really played like he probably played less than ten games because he didn't even show up for the beginning. So, exactly, it kind of seems like yeah. All right, so se- second trade, I think. Right, there's not there hasn't been a trade besides the yeah, big trade. Yeah, not a lot of interesting stuff. Okay, cool. So Derrick Rose, we're going round two with Derrick Rose to the Knicks. We're going round two, and Knicks send off Dennis Smith Jr. and a second pick. I believe that is the Horns pick, Horns second round pick. If I'm not mistaken. Yes. Okay, so Detroit guest reclamation to Dennis Smith Jr. and the last piece of the Billy Hernan Gomez trade. Hmm. Very nice. That finally came into fruition. I forgot, I forgot about Thank him. Thank you, well. Billy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Dennis Smith Jr. and a second round pick off to Detroit. The Knicks get Derrick Rose. Phil, I know you have some thoughts. I have some thoughts as well. I'll let you start it off. Yeah, I mean both sides. Start with start start with the Pistons actually. Start with the Pistons. Okay. So I mean they're getting Dennis Smith. They're getting a they wanted their at least from what we heard, they wanted Knox or they wanted their second round pick back, because realistically that's probably gonna be within the top thirty five. So theoretically you're basically getting a late first round pick, which is I think the reason they kind of stirred up the trade, but the Knicks held their ground. They said you can get that Charlotte pick. That's going to be in like the middle of the pack, which is just a great move for the Knicks because realistically, you're giving up, a, you would have given up a first round pick for Derrick Rose and only a year of it if he leaves, goes somewhere else. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's an interesting move for the Pistons. I thought the Derrick Rose market was going to be a little more fruitful. Mm-hmm. This seemed kind of like a wow, we really just <laughs> exhausted our options. Like the Knicks gave us this, we might as well just take it as opposed to him leaving. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I also believe that Derrick Rose, they probably wanted more for Derrick Rose. They, they, you know, they, yeah. I'm sure that they kind of scoped out the market for the contending teams, see, saw if there was a, a first-round pick on the horizon, a la what the Knicks did with Marcus Morris last year. I think it's safe to say that that was not available, that you know, Lakers, Clippers, na- name your contending team with first-round picks available to give. Uh, Do the Clippers have first-round picks to give them? Yeah, that. That's an they interesting might not. point. Yeah, and I was I was gonna say Nets, but I don't even know if they have a first round pick. <laughs> so, whoever had first round picks to give Philadelphia, I don't know. Whatever you want to say, clearly none of those teams wanted to give a first round pick up for Derrick Rose. So that's obvious. They get Dennis Smith Jr., who we've seen kind of with the Knicks for these last this last year and a half, two years, whatever it's been, and there's a reason that you know. This is the value that he's at. He hasn't progressed. So, hopefully it's a, flesh, a fresh slate. And, you know, I was watching the Pistons a couple nights ago against the Lakers, double overtime game. 
And you hear me? Oh, I broke up for a second. Just continue with what you were saying. All right. Yeah, so I was watching Detroit Pistons a couple nights ago, actually, against the Los Angeles Lakers. Double overtime game. They end up losing. But I'm I'm out there, I'm watching Josh Jackson get buckets, shooting the ball, making plays, playing defense. And that's a guy that, you know, every sign pointed to bust, and he seems to be making a home for himself in Detroit. So I think when you you get these guys like Dennis Smith Jr., Josh Jackson, whoever, there is some talent there. Like, we've seen some glimpses of talent with Dennis Smith Jr. Obviously, it's not what we thought he was going to be, but – Pistons, they're giving up Derrick Rose on expiring contract in a year that they're clearly not competing. They're taking a shot on Dennis Smith Jr. If you're a fan of Detroit, I think you've got to be happy and excited. And this guy's Josh Jackson. Yeah, I mean, I think the Josh Jackson thing was a little different because when he was in the Suns and when he was uh, Memphis too, it was more of like a nightlife thing for him. You know, like he was a problem off the court as opposed to, like, he was a net neutral on the court, but having that, like, serious negative off the court, it's just like you don't want that kind of locker room poison from a guy that's, like, 21. He's barely been in the league. So they just thought, like, it's better to cut our losses and just let him go. Maybe Detroit is not seen for nightlife, and he's just like, I got to focus on hoop. But, I mean, it's working. Maybe. The Dennis Smith thing is interesting. They have a gaping hole at point guard right now. They thought they were going to let Killian Hayes just, you know, run the burners all year long, but he had that, what was it, a hip? Label tear, I believe. That's what it was, yes. So he's going to be out for the season, and there's a lot of point guard minutes to soak up, and Jeremy Grant and Blake Griffin can't just facilitate all year long. So Dennis will get his burn. There in Detroit. Yeah. Which I don't think Pistons fan. He's kind of our Alfred Payton, DeLon Wright, with the Pistons. There's actually a lot of similarities. I always liken DeLon Wright to – Jeremy Grant's brother, who's on the Knicks, Jerry Ann Grant from Notre Dame. Basically just there. Yeah. I mean, look, he's like a decent NBA point guard. Realistically, I think that he would be a solid backup for a lot of good teams. Like, right. If he was your backup, you're pretty happy with that. Obviously, he's not a, a building block franchise starting point guard, but he's soaking up minutes. And, yeah, so j- just from the Pistons standpoint, they're taking a shot. Derrick Rose wasn't doing anything with the future of this team, so – High reward, low risk type of move. So right. you agree with that, correct? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, it right. seemed like they had nothing else to do. So like, we'll get something. Yeah. So let's uh, let's flip it to the Knicks, Phil. Dear, near and dear to our heart. You and I, we weren't crazy about the idea of this move happening. You know, to we preface, didn't give up a, what did you yeah. think? Sorry, what did you think was going to be the end pick? Because like in the beginning of the day, we heard it was Derrick Rose for Frank just straight up. And for me, I thought that was a weird thing to happen. Because if it was coming to that point where it was like just Frank for D Rose, that's a pretty weird flop. And I feel like the Knicks could at least talk them down, you know? Yeah, it sounded like Frank was going to be involved. And at, at this point, even though I think most fans value Frank over Dennis, I mean, they're both getting the same amount of minutes in NBA games. So realistically. Right, yeah. If you're another team and you're, and, and you're negotiating with the Knicks, you're, you know, you're giving us a guy who's not playing. So <laughs> either way. Right. But, cl- yeah, clearly we wanted, as fans, Frank to stick around. He's a fan favorite. 
So it kind of looked like it would have been a similar deal, but with Frank instead of Dennis, we ended up setting Dennis away, which I think most fans are probably happy about because as much as we love our young guys, the, the Dennis Smith Jr. era in New York seemed like it was over. It, it didn't seem like there was any – There wasn't much else to make of Reclaiming it. that yeah. position. Yeah, especially with his skill set, not being a defensive-minded guy, not being a shoot a shooter – we just drafted quickly who looks good and it, it just didn't seem like there was any visible way he was going to make his way back to the lineup. So I think, I don't think any New York Knicks fan is upset with what we gave up to get Derrick Rose. I think people are upset with the fact that we have Derrick Rose now. Right. And on a team where, listen, the Knicks are overachieving 11 and 14 right now. Most people thought they were going to be the worst team in the East. I thought they're going to be the worst team in the East. And we're right there in the on the back of the playoff picture currently sitting. So we're competing, we're overachieving, but I still don't think this is the year to make win now moves. And I know it's not like a crazy win now move, but if this Phil, I mean we could all agree, if this ends up in less minutes for Emmanuel quickly, we ain't we ain't gonna be happy. We ain't gonna be happy about it, and that's that's really the bottom line. Right. Like, if we can make, if we could find a way to get Alfred Payton out of there, and not even like anything against Alfred Payton, he's been, I think, fine for most of the year. But that's not what we need. I mean, now we have, yeah, like now we have two guys that quickly has to get minutes over, and um, Emmanuel's earned his minutes this year. Like, it's not like we're just grasping at straws for this guy we want right. to see play. Like, we've seen him play, we've seen him be productive. Like, he's a good player who should get regular minutes every single game. So. That's a concern. I mean, is there anything else to add, or are you kind of on the same wavelength that? No, yeah. I mean, pretty much what you were saying before, they're going to somewhat sober up from their beginning seasons, you know, just excellence. Julius Randle's three-point shot is not going to be at 40% for the whole year. R.J. Barrett's probably going to come back down to earth, like, facilitating-wise. Everybody's going to, you know, take a regression back. Maybe Austin Rivers and Alec Burks get sent somewhere. Maybe Reggie Bullock gets sent somewhere. Who knows? But having Derrick Rose in there kind of throws a wrench in two aspects of the next season that we kind of, I guess, predicated our hopes for, which is getting minutes for the young guys like quickly and then making sure realistically we're not going to win games or a lot of games or enough to, you know, make it matter. So we don't want to win games, way too many games that we shouldn't have. So adding D Rose could legitimately put us like maybe five or six more wins than we would have if we just ran with the group we had. You think that's the case? I, I don't think that's the case, honestly. I, I I think that's my problem, is that I don't think Derrick Rose makes his team like that much better. You know, is he better than Alfred Payton? Yeah, he is better. Is he that much better? Not. And now he's going to be getting – we're going to find a way to get both of those guys' minutes while pr- presumably getting quickly less minutes. Like, I, I'm all for winning games. You know, I, I don't think that this team should be tanking healthy for the future i don't think it's healthy for the current players like i'm i'm completely fine with making the playoffs as a seven eight seed i'm completely fine with making the play in like i don't care they win as many games as you should if you're if you're like losing games if you're losing games that you could be winning maybe not be winning like for example yesterday yesterday's miami heat right right we lose and rj barrett gets 19 minutes um, I don't have it right in front of me, but I think quickly got. You had like 13. Yeah, yeah, like less than, 
less than 15 minutes. And Payton, I think, played over 30, like 32 minutes, 35, yeah, like, was, yeah. over 30. That's when I have a problem. That's when it's like, all right, what are we doing? Because this team going to win a playoff series. They're not, you know, I, as much as I want to see in the playoffs, they're not going to a playoff series. And young guys, we got to build. Like, this team is not going anywhere with Alfred Payton, Derek Rogues, Reggie Bullock. Like, I'm not saying those guys shouldn't play at all, but if we're going to be losing games while playing them, right. that's when I have a problem. That's when I'm like, we're not building right, the that, proper way. Yeah, that was so, my kind of – that was my fear putting in it. Derek Rose because it's like Tibbs has this 10-man rotation and is he realistically going to adapt and, oh, I now have 11 guys I trust because he just adds in Derek Rose and has this 10 unit of people he already plays. Is he going to extend it to 11 or is he just going to cut someone out? And then we got Austin Rivers or, yeah. I don't know, Bullock just not getting minutes. Yeah, I mean, like we've already seen Kevin Knox become completely – Exactly, just yeah. doghoused. He doesn't see the floor anymore. I mean, like, Obi Toppin, we've all be, been a little, little underwhelmed. There's not a lot of room for him right now. Like, really, the only young players we're seeing get, like, regular, regular starter minutes are RJ and Mitch. Like, even quickly. There are nights where he plays 10 minutes, you know? And, again, it's it's cool when you're winning, but, like, we're not going to be winning enough to warrant that. That's my issue. So, we'll see. Maybe mm-hmm. we find a way to get Alfred Payton out the door and – so maybe we Alfred Payton out the door and Derek Rose kind of absorbs Payton's minutes and we have a little bit of an upgrade there because I do think Rose is a better play overall, better playmaker off the dribble, a little bit better of a shooter, just overall more dangerous on the offensive side of the floor. So I'm not, I don't have a problem with that if we somehow manage that. And there is some chatter about teams wanting Alfred Payton, which I mean, I don't think we're getting much, but at this point, I just don't want both of those guys on our team if they're going to create a roadblock for Emmanuel quickly. So if we do manage to get Alfred out the door and the rotation just stays the way it is, those minutes, I don't have a huge problem with this, but it's going to be mighty frustrating if somehow quickly gets into that circle of young players with DNPs because I don't think that's out of the realm possibility at this point, Phil, which is kind of crazy to say given the fact that he's legitimately legit one of the three best rookies this season. Like as a team, if you're the New York Knicks, you know, you're a rebuilding team, you can't hit on a pick like quickly and not play him. That's just like that's just terrible, I think. So we'll see. Right. He's he's I think he's second or third in the rookie scale for like points and you know general effectiveness and he's playing almost half the minutes yep. of like Lamelo and Halliburton and the Edwards. Halliburton. Just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Halliburton, don't, don't get me started. <laughs> but, yeah, it's interesting to see Peyton throughout the last few games. He's played 33, 34 minutes, 35 minutes, 30 minutes, and then 20 shots, 19 shots, and 12. There's an argument to be made that people think Tibbs is trying to pump up his stock by giving him this kind of free reign for, so to speak, until X date when they're going to start to look before the deadline and see if people are interested. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to come of that because, you know, you give Alfred enough time here, the lights will actually will show up. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll see. We will see. Like, maybe this is the first of a few moves, and that right. can make this look better. But as of now, it just seems like we're awfully crowded with average veterans, which nobody wants to see. So, <laughs> yeah. Hey, we, we got a game tomorrow. 
they're playing Miami in the second of that baseball series type of thing. I'm assuming Derek will be in the lineup tomorrow, right? Unless he didn't pass a physical. I think the trade was made far enough in advance, but yeah, we'll see. He hasn't and, uh, played we'll for it. he hasn't played for the past 14 games. I think he didn't play since like the end of January because I think he was just waiting out so he didn't get hurt for this trade to happen or a trade to happen. Interesting. So interesting. Well. We'll we run will trade keep tabs on that. Yeah. Do we want to hop into that? Sure. We'll some team stuff. A little, a little light trade deadline. Because from what I'm seeing and what we're looking into, it could be interesting. We don't know about the buyout market, but trade deadline could be something to watch. I've seen a lot of Kyle Lowry going home to Pennsylvania to the Sixers lore. I don't know how much I'm buying, but from just a pure, if it happened, what would they look like? that would probably be a pretty good team to run it back or in the East, you know? Yeah, that would. Phil, it's Toronto's interesting because I feel like last year we had those conversations when Kawhi Leonard left. What are the Raptors going to do? Like Lowry's a trade candidate. Norman Powell's a trade candidate. And because nobody expected the Raptors to have the season they did last year, but they overachieved like crazy. And they got the two seed and made it to the Eastern Conference semifinals. And people kind of abandoned those talks going into this season because even though they got worse, and even though I think you were not a major drop off, which we're kind of seeing so far, people thought they were going to be a pretty solid playoff team. And now that it looks like they might not, and they're kind of more in that, they're, they're closer to that Knicks territory than to that yeah. Celtics territory. The trade, the trade talk is popping up again. And Kyle Lowry is definitely the, the prime candidate because he is a win-now player, because he is so portable, his skill sets. I mean, Lowry is just a, a very good a very good player. And any team could use him, plug-and-play type of can shoot the ball, facilitate, competes on defense. So, yeah, he would look really good in, in a, with the Sixers. He would fit right in there. I don't know how much they'd have to give up. They'd probably have to give up some young piece or pieces, plural. You know, think maybe Matisse right. Heibel or a pick, whatever they have, is it worth it? I think it is because the Sixers should be in win-now mode, especially with Joel Embiid. So I'd love to see that. I haven't personally generated any trades and have any ideas, but definitely some kind of young capital over to Toronto would make the most sense. But we'll see. I like the Raptors aren't going to want to give away Lowry. He's one of the most iconic figures in that organization – so it's going to be tough to let him go, but might be necessary if they really want to think about the future of this franchise. Would it be interesting, per se, to add a, I don't know if he was comp to him when he was drafted, but a Lowry Light in Tyrese Maxey? Obviously, I think Danny Green would probably go along for like money yeah. reasons, but Tyrese Maxey could be the headliner. That was, I mean, if if Philadelphia calls Toronto up and offers that, I don't know how you hang the phone up. Like, Maxie's not laying the world on fire, but I've seen some good stuff. Like I, yeah. I like his game. I like his game a lot. I think that he's kind of tailor made for this NBA as a combo guard with his scoring ability, his off the dribble penetration chops. I like him a lot. Young first round pick this year, like that would be a great young piece to add to a team that is kind of old, like a little older than I think most people think, because Toronto yeah. is so a G League thing. They have these guys who come in as like second or third year players and 
eight years old. Chris Boucher, a prime example, who's having a great year. I look at his age, he's 28. So it's like, uh, I mean, it's cool because you're using your G League effectively, but at the same time, your young pieces aren't as valuable as valuable because they're not actually young. So Tyrese Maxey would be one of those few guys on the team that are actually really young and have a really good future with the team. So that would be a great deal. Does Philadelphia give up that much? I'm not sure. Like, Do you, do you think that's worth out for Philly? Do you think that Lowry elevates them enough to make that deal? Because I think they like Maxey a lot too. Yeah, I mean, Maxey seems – I think he's had a lot of great flashes. Who knows where that can go down the line and where his, you know, peak matches up with the guys that are, you know, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, they're currently, you know, ready to contend right now. So it's kind of that question of do we risk this short-term thing for – or this more long-term thing for a short-term fix where get what Tyrese Maxey could consistently do every night in Kyle Lowry right now. Yeah. Yeah, so just it's a listening debate. Mm-hmm. Looking at Maxey's stats right now, he's he's getting nine points per game, and he's not playing a whole lot, uh, a little under 18 minutes a game. But the 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 two point efficiency is really good. He's shooting over 50 percent from two. It, you know, when I watch the game, he's got really good court awareness. He kind of gets to his spots well. Guys, a little bit of a floater, a lot quickly. Yeah. He can mm-hmm. get to the rim. Like the shooting's still a bit, a little bit of work in progress, but. Overall, projects is a really good prospect for me. So that would be really interesting. I, I, I like that idea. And I think that Lowry's definitely going to be a name that's going to be buzzing as the trade deadline nears. Yeah. One more guy, one more guy I want to bring up for you, Phil. I know you did a little bit of work with this. Orlando Magic struggling big time. Ah. <laughs> you know, they two key franchise in Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz both not playing this year. Isaac, we knew, was hurt because of what happened in the bubble. And then Fultz also after the year that happened early in the season. So they're kind of just a shell of a team right now. Honestly, this year they probably should be tanking. I don't see a lot of promise with this team right now. And probably a team that should be looking to move on from some of those older regime pieces. Aaron Gordon, and then more namely, Nikola Vucevic, who's having another great season. I feel like I kind of tasked you with the idea of looking for trade targets for Vucevic, who I think is pretty underrated at this point. Like people don't realize he how always is poor fellow. Yeah, just how lethal he is offensively. I mean, he's he's a legitimate problem, and I think a lot of teams out. It's just finding the right destination. Do you have ideas on where where what would make sense for Vucevic? Because I think he's another name that'll be thrown around as we get closer to the deadline. I got to be honest, my homework is not done yet. I can't give it to you. Fair enough. Fair enough. I've, I've looked into like all the big hitters that are the most sensible, like Clippers, Bucks. I mean, kind of the Lakers, not really. But mm-hmm. with those Clippers, Bucks situations, it's almost impossible to make any kind of big trade. Like they need yeah. to, Bucks need to get like small changes. Same thing with Clippers because their money is tied so tight with everybody. Mook Morris just signed whatever deal that essentially just took away all their cap for the offseason this year. And so and where does well. Nikola go? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Um, where does Vucevic go? It's tough because, like, does a middling team want to trade for him and have him boost their floor? Or does it make more sense for him to go to an already, like, contending team and just put them over the top? I thought so those contending was an teams, interesting idea. Boston is a good idea. I had something else for Boston I was texting you about. It was um, – I want to give him Ryshawn Holmes from the Kings for uh, ah, what's his yes. name? Uh, Naismith. I thought that made maybe not more sense, but it would cost them less, and they would get it a very valuable yeah. big. Ryshawn Holmes is quite slept on. It definitely would cost 
it'd be easier to make the salary work because Vucevic does have a, a big, big salary. Right. So I'm not sure, even sure how to work with the Celtics. I know they have some kind of exception with the with losing Hayward or whatever. Oh, yeah. But but yeah, the uh, the Magic are interesting in terms of where they're going to look to trade these guys because Aaron Gordon and Vucevic are both they both have value, but it's also like not easy to find landing spots for them because especially for Vooch you're going to probably want to look on a team on the upper end that's going to want to trade for him. Like, I don't see one of those mid-link teams, as you as you uh, mentioned, giving up that. Right. Fournier, definitely another candidate. He ain't cheap either. So you're going to have to figure out a way to make that contract work. He's expiring, though, so it gives you some incentive to not care that much because it's going to be off the book soon. But it's going to be interesting to see how much these contending teams are going to out for the Orlando pieces because while they're nice players, it's not like even for Vucevic who is putting up monster stats, thirty years old, like you're not gonna want to give up the house for a guy like that. So we will see. We will see definitely a team to monitor because they have a bunch of pieces that they probably want to move on from as they go into this next phase of their franchise. So I'm keeping my eye on eye on Orlando and talks when it comes down to uh, the trade deadline. Yeah, they definitely got some pieces to give off and maybe they can build a better wing unit because right now it's basically like Jonathan Isaac and that's it. Aaron Gordon's there for now, but yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Cole Anthony, Marco Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, maybe Mo Bamba. Not a bad core. Maybe Mo Bamba. Maybe Mo Bamba. Another Magic fans. Maybe Mo Bamba. Magic fans want to see Mo Bamba more. They want to see him. but Steve, They want to see Mo Bamba. But Steve Clifford's saying no. <laughs> but, uh, all right, let's get on to. So, shall some, we hop? Let's hop. Let's hop. So, last time talk about Phil. I got two teams in mind, recent teams, top of the league in terms of what people are expecting. All right, two teams, East and West, that success, successful runs last year. Actually, both these teams made the conference finals last year. I'm not talking about Heat. I'm not talking about the Lakers. Talk about the Celtics and Nuggets. In a little bit of a rough patch right now. I want to go over them. What you're seeing how you think this could be fixed, if it could be fixed, what the issue is, if we maybe should just not even be talking, we're just overreacting and it's just stupid. But I kind of want to get some thoughts out on those two squads. So want to start with Denver? Sure. All right, let's start with Denver. Let's hop on over. Right now, sitting at 12 and 10, sixth in the Western Conference. Recently had just an absolutely devastatingly weird and just disappointing lost the Sacramento Kings where Nikola Jokic scores 50 points and they still lose. So that happened. Um, Jamal Murray didn't play, so definitely take that into consideration. But still, when Nikola Jokic just gives you 50, you probably should win the game. Nuggetsville, a team that I think people obviously changed their opinions of this squad based on what they did last year in the postseason, upsetting the Clippers, making it to the conference finals. I think playing the Lakers honestly tighter than most people kind of remember it. they did lose in five games but obviously there was that Anthony Davis shot which could have changed I'm not saying they would have won the series but it definitely would have at least changed yeah would have reflected six games instead of five whole differently. Least. <laughs> yeah yeah so <clears throat> listen this was a good team they they lose big parts Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee both in Detroit now but we still thought this team was going to be at the top and honestly outside of the Lakers and the Clippers, I think that most people probably had Denver as the third best team. And I'm sure some people even had them ahead of the Clippers as the second best team. You know, I think the only team that 
most guys thought was thought were definitively ahead of them was the Los Angeles Lakers defending champions. But right now, Nuggets in a little bit of a rut. What are you seeing with this team? Like, do you think that this is worrisome? Do you think that this is overreactions? And what do you make of them when you watch them? Like, why is this happening? Because Nicole Jokic putting up all-time numbers. Like, this, he's off to a historic start. I know that you, I think, had him at the top of your MVP rankings, at least near the top, yeah. yet they're 12, and, they're 12 and 10. So, like, what's going on with them? Yeah, we kind of talked about this before we hopped on, but, I mean, the beginning of the season, there was essentially less guys there that were able to, you know, help out offensively with Nikola Jokic. Essentially, he had to run the whole ship for the entirety of the, I don't know, maybe first 10 to 12 games. And we saw that with the record. We had them on the, I think it was our worry radar, and they were kind of high. Nikola Jokic was doing everything he could, but it wasn't enough. Now we see Jamal Murray starting to, you know, come back into shape. He's still only averaging 19 points and uh, four and a half assists. That's kind of not what you need from your lead guard. You need someone that can actually create a lot more than just almost five assists a game. Everybody else is not really that helpful. You got the kind of wings, Will Barton, Monte Morris, they're able to create. Michael Porter doesn't really do any of that. He's more ISO scoring. So a lot of that aspect of the game falls on Jokic. He has to do a lot more with a lot less. And as Michael Porter Jr. is starting to struggle after he came back, Jamal Murray's playing okay now. It's just going back to more and more work for Nikola Jokic. Yeah. So just to kind of get the big picture for Denver right now, they're sitting at fifth in offense. So that's good. Playing extremely slowly, 28th in pace. They always play slow. Always play slow. And then 22nd. So, like those, those are numbers you kind of could have anticipated for Denver. You know, they're, they're never really top top in, in defense. Like it usually fluctuates from that fifteen to twenty range. So twenty two a little bit low, but not really a huge outlier. Often fifth, and their net rating is sixth. So like I think that they should have more wins than they do. You know, like they're getting I think a little unlucky with some of the injury stuff, and then just a little un- unlucky generally. But you know, you're right with the offensive stuff in terms of, like, who, production. Just who, yeah. who's who's stepping up when Jokic isn't. And right now, you look, go down the list, and there's not a whole lot of guys that I think that the coaching staff or the fans really trust. It's Nicole Jokic. Jamal Murray is playing fine, but I don't think he's taking the step that guys thought he was going to take based on his bubble performance. Like, he's kind of just doing what he's right. been doing the last few seasons, which is good, but he hasn't really taken that star step. And then Michael Porter Jr., another guy who kind of just doing more of what he was doing before, ISO scoring, inconsistent. If the shot's not falling, it looks ugly. Like, I, I tweeted that earlier. Uh, when I was watching, I think, the Laker game. They played national time against the Lakers last week. I watched that game. Like, when Michael Porter's not scoring, he doesn't help. You know, like he's he, yeah, he's one of those guys that if, if the shot's not going down, he's not really doing a whole lot that's helping your team. He's taking the ball and he's going home. Yeah, like assist assist rate is incredibly low. Free throw rate also very low, which kind of sucks for an ISO scorer. Like you'd like a guy who relies on his scoring to be able to get to the free throw line and get easy buckets, but like it's a lot of pull up jumpers. It's a lot of kind of like long twos and then transition threes and stuff like that. So when the shot's not falling, the shot's not falling. He's really doing stuff in the other facets of the game. So, yeah, it's just a lot of – not a whole lot of anything else. Like nobody 
else has a particularly high rebound rate. Nobody else really has a particularly high assist rate. I'm not saying those stats dictate how good a team is, but you lose a guy like Jeremy Grant, when you lose a guy like Mason Plumley, and these aren't superstars, even though Jeremy Grant is playing like an all-star this year, but rotational pieces, you need guys to step up. Like you, you need to fill in the production that you're missing. Like you need to get, you need people to step some of their scoring up. You need people to be able to create more than they may be used to. And, you know, Gary Harris, like he's fine, but he's not shooting particularly great. He's shooting 33% from three, not getting the foul line either. Will Barton plays 29 minutes a game, gets the foul line twice a game. Like the production, it's not deep. It's not deep right now. And for a team that relies on, like they don't have, they have one superstar. They need kind of a, a sum of your parts type right. model, and it's not happening. Yeah, I was going to ask, kind of going back to what you were saying with Jeremy Grant, if you missed him yet, because you were not very high on him going to Detroit thinking it was going to, you thought that Denver was going to be all right, you know? Yeah, yeah. L- listen, I'm, uh, I like Denver a lot going to the, uh, I, th- I thought they were going to be right there at the top of the West. And right now, me and I'm sure people are definitely wrong about the Jeremy Grant thing. Like they miss him a lot and they miss him on the, on the offensive end. They miss him on the defensive end and they're not getting the production that he left. Simple as that. Sometimes guys leave. Like this is what I thought was going to happen with Toronto. Like when you leave, who's going to step up and fill in the gaps of the production that you're missing. When Toronto lost Marcus all and Serge Ibaka, I didn't see, them having the pieces that were going to that were going to replace that production, and right now right. nobody's pro- replacing the production. Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley. So here they are, yeah. twelve and ten. I don't think anybody could have predicted Jeremy Grant's offensive eruption. I guess, but you knew he was giving a very solid defensive effort on the Nuggets th- for, throughout his entire stint there. I think it was like three or four years. He was one of the best. He was their best defensive player, and he was always taking on LeBron or Kawhi, whoever was the the matchup and then his offensive repertoire was just how versatile he was we're now kind of mm-hmm. getting to see that whole outlook on the pistons granted on a bad team where he's getting a lot of shots but when he's on a really good team he can make any kind of shot you want for him if you stick him in the corner you got to stay on him if he's running pick and rolls you gotta you gotta stay on him it's just it's hard to guard yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so we'll see with denver and they play tonight in a a big game against Milwaukee. I'm definitely tuned to that one. Good and, one. you know, if they have a resounding win, then maybe the narrative changes a little bit. But right now, they're like they're, they're closer to the middle of the pack than they are to the top. See from a team that made the Western Conference Finals, like you'd like them to take some kind of baby step like further. But it's tough when you, when you miss guys, you're not getting other players replacing their production, as I said before. So that's where we stand with Denver right now. And uh, we'll just continue to monitor that situation. Yeah, Any, uh, last last awesome nuggets, or uh, you get to move on. I'm good to move on. Uh, Will Barton just hanging out, I guess. <laughs> Barton just hanging out, yeah. Celtics fail. So Celtics similar to Nuggets in the sense that they made the conference finals last year. They lose pieces. Gordon, well, I guess you had Gordon Hayward. They don't really lose anybody else that I can think of, but they lose Gordon Hayward, who was a major piece. They don't really replace him in the sense that they get like a guy like Gordon Hayward. They get some front court depth, but not like great front court depth. They, they get Tristan Thompson, who's been hong hold. So Celtics right now sit at 
the Denver Nuggets, fourth in the Eastern Conference. And they just had a loss against the Phoenix Suns where Kemba Walker went four for 20. So that's where we're at with them. Uh, Phil, what do you got to say with the Celtics? I mean, it's, it's a weird, just kind of looking at the whole Gordon Hayward timeline, it's almost like it was just perfect enough for it to work, but it never came to be. Like Gordon Hayward's best opportunities were, were going to be the first year of his contract with Kyrie, with uh, Tatum coming in as a rookie, Jalen Brown already there in his second year, Marcus Smart and the team looked really good. And then the last year, which would have been this year, where Kemba might not be that offensively productive, but he could have stepped in and been that offensive fulcrum facilitating for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And we just are never going to get to see it. Like the best opportunities mm-hmm. for Gordon Hayward in his Celtics stint, he never got to play in the first year because of the injury. The last mm-hmm. year he's in the Hornets now. Yeah, it's It's just, you know, only he stayed a year longer or you know stuff you can't really control that's an interesting idea and uh it kind of like last game i'm looking at the box score where they they play phoenix lose by nine points jalen brown didn't play jalen brown and jason tatum doing it again this year like they've been phenomenal those two guys but jalen brown doesn't play this game and like this would have been a a, and then marcus smart of course is hurt so we can't discount that Like, like marcus smart's hurt right now so you know like injuries are always important we can't just say the Celtics team is what they should be because they're missing Marcus Smart. Like the, their their depth wasn't good to begin with, so injuries just hurt that much more. But, like, this would have been a, a tailor-made Gordon Hayward game, right? Like, yeah. no Jalen Brown, no Marcus Smart. Like, this is the game where you have Gordon Hayward and you hope he can score between 20 and 25 points. But instead, you have to start Carson Edwards, who gives you 17 minutes and scores two points on one of six. Coming off the bench, Payne Pritchard, he's been playing really well as a rookie, but outside – like, there's not a whole lot there in terms of offensive pop. Like, Jeff Teague is super inconsistent. And Kemba Walker, who we have to talk about, just looks like a shell of himself right now. He's taking a ton of threes. He's not getting to the line that, that much. Like, he's shooting those mid-ranges still, and they're falling sometimes, but not all the time. And then defensively, not really giving you what, like, effort is going to help you win. Give you. Like, and he's he never was, a defensive plus, but he's at least giving you effort before. Now it looks like it's not even like, – you'll just let him go. Always hot and cold. You know, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like he, he's done or he's fried. But the thing with Kemba is, like, when, he, when he's hot and cold, like, the hot, you know? Like, the yeah. hot was scoring 40 points. The hot was hitting seven threes. I haven't really seen that enough in a Celtics uniform. And then coming off the big knee injury – I'm not, I'm not seeing it like at all this year. And right now he's he's playing 27 minutes per game. He's only getting to the line about three times a game. He's shooting almost eight threes a game. Like he's shooting just this roughly the same amount as threes and twos. You know, like that that's not the Kemba Walker I know. That's not the the Kemba Walker that goes downhill and puts defense on their heels. Like he's just, if he's gonna play like this, he really have much of a shot in the East. He's shooting below 40 percent field it just doesn't look good are you scared do you think he just kind of got to work his way in and recently came back he's only played nine games this year but like this is a guy phil who they invest a lot in you know this is the second year of a four-year deal so like this stuff's important boston celtics i mean if this is the start of a of a downward spot and i don't want to sound too dramatic but like it can be problematic yeah um Totally agree. The Kemba thing, like he's had enough rhythm games where 
he's he's done a good job sometimes, but when he is scoring, he's inefficient. And when he's not scoring, he's, you know, barely getting the assist numbers. His assist percentage is low, at least lower than what we're used to with him. And he just looks like from a like his playing is just off. Like he's slower. He's not sliding on defense. He's not putting in that effort. As we said before, he's not a good defensive player, but at least he put in that effort that all tiny guys got to do. Mm. It's We don't see it anymore. It's, it, I would say I'm concerned. We okay. talked about like having an article about this, but we're maybe we'll post it later, have it out later. But I just did too much on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's shoulders. Is that mm. going to work? This would have been the year, kind of what we were talking about before, where they needed Gordon Hayward to be that third wing that's like offensively dominant and facilitating. Yeah, and especially the Marcus Mar injury, right? Like, yeah, obviously you can't anticipate injuries, but. Without, with no Marcus Moore, now your guard depth is just, you know, wiped. And you, and you... Right, and your Carson defense Edwards. at the guard position is just putrid. Yeah, for sure. And, like, they're, they're another team kind of like Denver. Where, like, their ratings are fine, you know. They're ninth in offense, 12th in defense. Like, that, that's a fine. They, they're probably a little better than their record shows. But at the same time, like, this is a team that wants to be closer to the, to the top than to the middle. And it doesn't really seem like that right now, despite like the massive jump you're getting from Jalen Brown, who's been a legitimate all NBA player this year. It sucks that like, you know, that they have these two studs up top in Brown and Tatum, but the depth is just bad. You know, like, they don't have a lot of back end contributors, which is going to hurt you if you're trying to actually go far in the playoffs. Right. And they have a surprising amount of youth. You'd think they'd try to make some kind of deal they got Naismith, they got Langford from last year or two years ago who barely got any burn. Carson Edwards, who's interesting, and then father time Robert Williams, who doesn't seem to be ready for their specific needs of a big man. So can they go out and get something for him that will actually come in and help in the next short term, you know, two or three years? Yeah, and that's why they're a good trade candidate team. You know, like Brown and Tatum are young. I'm not saying that if they don't, like, if the Celtics fans listen to this, I don't Max call. I don't want to make it sound teams like this organization's in trouble. I think Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, like those are two studs, you know, like superstar potential. Like Tatum is practically a superstar. Jalen Brown's like right there. And if you got those two guys in your team, like you're in good shape, but obviously every team wants to win a championship. And in order to get to that level, they're going to need more. So, and every year you have those guys, you should have a win mentality. So yeah, like for this year, you know, you shouldn't just sit on your laurels and say, we have Brown and Tatum, we're just going to go along, you know, Kemba's going to do his thing, we might win a playoff series, we might not, and, you know, we're not really, like, cream of the crop in the East. Because right now, it seems like Philadelphia, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee are all, like, a step ahead of them, in my eyes, at least. So, you know, can't argue. We're, and we're going to see, like, maybe that changes. Like, I'm not saying I'm picking the, those teams to be better than Boston, but, like, right now, I test the way it looks. Boston looks a little bit worse a notch below. So if you want to get to that level, you might need to make a move. I think guys like Aaron Gordon and Vucevic are both incredibly interesting candidates for this team that I think like could honestly elevate them into that category because I don't think they're that far away given the fact that they have two legitimate stars. But their back-end depth is so thin, it might be some of those younger pieces into somebody who can actually help you win. Right, yeah. I like the Vooch point. I, if, if it was Vooch and Gordon, you know, 
obviously that's really hard to pull off because it's a lot of money, but I would be interested more in Vooch as a center role and then looking for some kind of guard depth. We know George Hilson just whittling away in poor Oklahoma City. So he's going to be available off the top of my head. I can't think of any other guards that could be on the move soon, but they definitely need to shore up that guard unit right now with Marcus Smart out. They have very undersized guards that don't play defense, and then their best player that should be able to produce offensively is just struggling. Yeah, like, bottom line, if Kemba Walker, and he's going to be better than this. He's not yeah. going to shoot 36% of the field for the season. But if he's not producing at, like, somewhat of a consistent level, this team isn't going to go as far as they can. I'm not saying he's done, but it's something to monitor. Like, every time I watch the Celtics game, I, I got to keep an eye on Kemba Walker, like, see if he's producing. Tonight, another big game. We just talked with the Nuggets. Now we got the Celtics. They're playing Utah tonight, who's got the best record in the NBA. So, like, if they win this game, then maybe we think differently. But it'll be interesting. So, that's the thing with the NBA, you know, like a, a couple I, – I feel like every team is a couple games away from feeling good about themselves and at the same time feeling bad about themselves, you know. Like whether it be the team at the top or the bottom, you right. know, like you're a two-game yeah. winning streak away from thinking like, all right, like, you know, we're getting it rolling and then a two-game losing streak away from getting a little worried. So that's just life in the NBA, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right. You got any other final notes on the Celtics? No notes, but I did see a funny joke. And uh, you talked about Romeo Langford earlier, and I read—I don't know—I don't know who to credit it to, but it was on Twitter, and it was going a little viral. It was like um, saying the phrase "when Romeo Langford comes back" is like saying the phrase "when COVID goes away." It just doesn't happen. <laughs> That's a shame. What is—is is he still like finger injured? I don't. I remember the I last time he had, like, he had some, jammed fingers or something. It happened in the preseason. He hasn't played this year. What I—I'm um, gonna Google search it real quick. Romeo Langford. I don't even he, know. He was drafted two years ago, I think. All I know is he's still he was out. out of Indiana. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, wrist surgery. It's wrist surgery. Yeah, wrist surgery. Wrist. Wrist surgery. What a weirdo. <laughs> so that's that. And yeah, like we have some high hopes for him. I mean, I think they like where they saw. Yeah, him, I mean, yeah, he can he can score at the very least. Yeah. All right, Phil. Well, we good. We're we're as good as we're gonna get on Celtics Nuggets talk. A little somber note, but that's valid. That's valid. Well, that's gonna do that for this week. My name is Nate with my pod pod pal Phil. As always, catch us on Twitter at HoopScoopPod, YouTube HoopScoop. Listen to our podcast on all platforms: Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor app. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace.